Hello and welcome to the Logos Kona podcast. I'm Israel Mogisha. Today we're going to be discussing is the work movement a region or not? So what is the work movement or what is work? Work is an adjective derived from African American vernacular English abbreviated AAVE meaning alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. So is the work movement a religion? To answer that question, we need to first define what is a religion. A religion is a belief system that includes a set of core beliefs, rituals, and practices, and it often includes a community of believers, and sometimes it has the sense of original sin and the apocalyptic event. So based on this definition, is the work movement a religion or not? So that's why, that's what we're going to find out. So let's first of all understand the work movement. So in this section of the podcast, we're going to explore the work movement's core belief and its emphasis on orthodoxy and purity, its tendency to demonize dissenters and its framework for understanding the world. And after this, we're going to see if it meets the criteria of being a religion. So what are what is or what are the core beliefs of the work movement? So being work or people who are work or the work types view the world in two perspective uh, in a lens of two perspectives, the oppressed and oppressors. So meaning that all members of oppressed groups are victims and all members of privileged groups are oppressors. And they believe that the only way to achieve social justice is to dismantle all existing systems of power and privileges. Now, in the analysis of this core belief, so a question comes in my mind: Can the oppressor be? Can the oppressor be the oppressed, and can the oppressed be an oppressor? And it begs a question: So. If the world as they view it in as someone is oppressed and someone is an oppressor, can that one who is oppressed be an oppressor and that one who is an oppressor be an oppressed? And they beg to differ. They say that the world is viewed in those two lenses, that if you are oppressed, you are a victim. And if you are in a privileged group, meaning uh, being labeled as a white supremacist, you are an oppressor and that cannot change. And I beg to differ. And a story comes to mind. Um, in a biblical, like in the biblical narrative or in a biblical sense, a story comes to mind, the story of Cain and Abel. It's a story that symbolizes this narrative of the oppressor and oppressed. And I'm gonna approach this story not literally or theologically i'm gonna approach it in i say in a psychological manner so you have you have two brothers in the bible cain and abel they are the son of adam and eve and they have just been kicked out of the garden of eden and now they 
their parents gave birth to them and you have Cain and Abel make sacrifice to the Lord and Cain was a farmer or he was a gatherer he was like into plants he was like planting crops and actually you know farming that's what he was into and you have Abel on the other hand he was a shepherd he was a shepherd so he took care of animals and they all make sacrifices and Cain offers his best sacrifice as crops and fruits and everything and you have Abel make and offer a sacrifice of the firstborn of his fine cattle and you you see God in this narrative being being proud of Abel and he doesn't approve of Cain's sacrifice and Cain sets out to be angry and he said um he's he's saying to God uh, God why did you bless Abel and he didn't bless me and God is telling him um if you did if you did and made the right sacrifice or if you did things right things could go well with you and things could actually move for you and he says um god i think you are wrong and i'm gonna go and actually hurt you i'm gonna destroy that which you love and he goes on and actually kills his brother uh, abel so and this story comes to mind like when i was reading this when actually i was reading this this narrative and uh, like the perspective uh, of which the walk types view the world as the oppressor and oppressed this came to mind is you have these two brothers they are making all sacrifices and god is telling cain as if actually you did things right and make the right sacrifices things could go on i say uh, god you are the oppressor and i want to dismantle the system of power and privilege and go out and kill that which you love so i'm going to destroy that which you love and i say is it really the best approach or can someone who is bad actually be good and can someone who is bad can someone who is bad be good and can someone who is good be bad and where I don't get it is that when you view the world in these two lenses meaning that there is no that bridge of where these two narrative meet someone who is bad being good and someone who is good being bad which is possible and there is no that unifying narrative that can come and actually redeem you and actually there is no that part of the transformation of the self and being reborn or uh, being rebirth of the self so means that if you are bad you are bad and you are to be damned and if you are good you are good and you deserve to be celebrated and this is a very wrong view of the world because there is such thing in the world as bad racism do exist and all these issues are real but viewing the world as complex as it is and you view it in a sense that there are two 
types of people in this world. There is those who are oppressed and there are those who are oppressors. So now a question comes to mind. You are taking something that is so complex that you can't fathom. Because think about it. Fundamentally, we are screwed and fundamentally we know it. We know that something is wrong. Something is wrong fundamentally. And we are born, like we have definite and we have we don't have infinite intelligence. We know we are limited in our potential and we have these presuppositions of the world that we take on to understand and actually make sense of the real world. So when you take on this presupposition that the world, in the world there are two people, those who are oppressed and those who are oppressors, it does make sense and it does put you in a position where you can just take a something as complex as how the world is and you just simplify it as the oppressor and oppressed. It does shift a sense of responsibility from you to not look the problem first studying internally as you have Cain in this sense where he said God is telling him that if you did right and didn't cut corners and actually did the right thing and made the right sacrifices think things could go well with you so meaning that even if things are going bad if you are willing to make the right sacrifices things could go well with you and the second the the second principle i found is that the this part of orthodoxy and purity is a so the work movement places a strong emphasis on orthodoxy and purity. So this means that there is a right way and the wrong way to think about and talk about certain issues. Any deviation from the orthodox line is seen as heresy and is met with swift and severe punishment. So the analysis of this part of the orthodoxy and purity. So is there the right way to think about and talk about certain issues now if there is such thing as the right and the wrong way of talking about things and thinking about things what about free speech and what is the meaning of freedom of speech and is it just something that you can talk or is something that's not important so that begs the part so if there is such thing as the right way to think about things and the right way to actually talk about certain issues, so where is freedom of speech? And does that give you a right to suppress and take away the freedom of speech from people? So this is a question you can ask. And what is actually freedom of speech? Because people some people don't understand why why do people need to have the freedom of speech what is the meaning of freedom of speech and you see most people think through speech and except if you are sophisticated and most people which are not like you create a second part in your psyche where you can have conversation with yourself and actually think. So you create another part of you that you can have conversation in with in your brain. And most people don't do that. So how do most people think? Most people think through the expression of speech. So as I'm thinking 
as I'm speaking, I'm actually thinking through the problem. So that's why when you are listening to people, mostly they just state the problem and actually give the solution to them. So of course, when you speak, you are actually thinking. And something I learned from like from Jung is that if we try to analyze this part of actually the orthodoxy and purity, you have this story, this narrative of Pharisees in the Bible and you have the Pharisees and you know uh, Christ and they are they are representing the perfect being the perfect figure the perfect authority that follows the rules and actually serves God but when Christ comes he calls them out that you are hypocrites you are liars that what you preach you don't believe and Christ is representing them as snakes as hypocrites and if you try to look at it from the Jungian perspective, you see that the Pharisees do represent the part of the psyche that is always trying to be perfect and to conform to society's expectation. And the Pharisees are afraid of their shadow selves, which in the Jungian perspective is the unconscious part of you. And they try to suppress them through the strict adherence to the law and However, this suppression of the shadow self did actually lead to hypocrisy and judgmentalism. So they saw themselves as pure and as of not having anything wrong with them, but everyone else who didn't agree with them as someone who has something wrong with them. And this is actually a very wrong way to view the world because as you see from Jung is that they well afraid of their shadow self the shadow self was not integrated in their consciousness so the unconscious was separate from their from the conscious part of their psyche and what they did is that they were trying to project their insecurities their shadow self into others to shift responsibility and to actually not look internally to that which is wrong and you see in again i was reading the bible uh, and i came across this um, story of jonah it's a very interesting story and you find jonah was told by god to go to the city of nineveh and actually warn people and jonah is he he said to himself no i'm not going to go there i'm going to disobey you and because I'm afraid, I'm going to disobey you and I'm going to go my own way. So, you have Jonah takes on to his own course and actually disobeys God because he's afraid. He's afraid to that part of the shadow self. He's afraid that he can't do it because he's afraid of those people, of Nineveh. Then, as he was on the boat, you f- um, the currents start coming and you find that the boat is having issues and the captain comes forward and say ah what has happened to us play to your god so that they might come and actually rescue us so now you have this captain and he asks uh he asks um he asks jonah jonah uh, why are you why are you sleeping when why can't you actually 
pray to your God. Maybe he can rescue us. And then he says, I know what's wrong. Throw me actually out in the water and it will come down. So the captain actually had refused to throw him outside the boat. And they they went and actually, after that, what happened was that the captain refused. And actually they went and they discussed among themselves. And they prayed to God that, let not this one man bring death to all of us. And they discussed themselves and they decided to actually throw Jonas in the in the in the sea. And Jonah is in the sea, thrown in the sea. And you have Jonah reflecting that maybe I should have went to Nineveh. Maybe I should have went to where God had told me. Now he is dying. Uh, so he's dying, he's, 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 he's drowning. And as if that is not enough, you have a whale come and actually swallow him. And when the whale comes and actually swallows him, you see Jonah in the well. He is thinking, oh, I should have died. I should have died there because now Jonah is in hell. Jonah is, everything around him is dark. And he repents and actually spends three days there and three nights in the whale and actually finally he gets speed to where he was supposed to be and this story when you analyze it from the psychological part and if you look at it in the Jungian perspective is that you have Jonah going to the depth and actually going to the unconscious part and emerge images as the self that is complete because he went to the shadows the shadow self and actually integrated to his conscious part of his psyche and he is whole and now he is brave and actually now he is going to do what he was afraid to do and so that does bring to question this view of the world of purity as and uh, meaning that we are pure and we are the oppressed we are the victims and other people who don't agree with us if you don't agree with us you are to be damned you are bigoted you are you know all all these names that they do call people and have them counseled have them uh you know done terrible things to them because it's it's very sad when you think about it because there is this spirit there is this spirit of shifting responsibility yes racism to exist yes bad things happen to black people i am black but that doesn't give me an excuse to not do to not progress meaning that in their sense of the view of the world, meaning that you are a victim and there is no that part of you that can actually progress, that can actually move from one place to another. And when I come to think about it, I think this, I call it propaganda, this propaganda is actually an enemy to black people themselves because it means that, oh, you are black, you can succeed because you're black, everything is so bad you are not privileged and everything is so racist the system is is so racist and you cannot progress and if you progress and if actually you do well you have betrayed being blackness so 
even actually me being here, you know, having this podcast and actually trying to answer and trying to think through this um, this question, I I am betraying. I'm betraying being black, meaning that me trying to think through this and actually ask the right question, trying to think through and actually come with a conclusion or come and actually realizing what is actually happening, meaning that I am not black. I'm actually uh, betraying who I am as black. So, <laughs> so now, there is this part of this framework of understanding the world that there are these two people and the world is divided into two groups the, the oppressor and oppressed and so the work movement actually teaches people that you are either an oppressor or you are oppressed and those who are oppressed need to actually act accordingly so which brings this spirit of actually activism and everything and you bother asking why why going into this um trouble why why go into this depth to actually understand this uh, problem is that i found that there is a misunderstanding that this work movement is understood or is taken to be a political problem yet it's not a political problem it's a culture issue it's a moral issue meaning that they try to weaponize it and make it political when it's actually a culture issue. So why do we need to call it actually a culture issue? Because it's, it stands against everything that makes, makes us humans. If you think about it, they hate art. They say that the paintings are racist all this name and i wonder how how paintings can be racist how michelangelo can be racist all these things i think that you can't even fathom say why are they saying these things they say and you find that they hate science and they believe that there is no such thing as quality in the world that everything is just the same and everything has been attained because there was prejudice and there is some truth in that that bad things do hap did happen to black people and racism do exist but what angle are you viewing it are you being a victim your whole life and actually do nothing with your life and view the world in that perspective without actually seeing a redemption through that so meaning that there is no that part that can actually move and be transformed and actually be above that and actually grow from that so meaning that you are ever a victim and someone is already always oppressing you and if you view the world in that sense that will become actually your reality and which is actually a bit wrong and so what is the fundamental basis of this? Because if you go in depth, it's, I think it's a moral issue. And if it's a moral issue, it's, it brings 
the culture and you find it's a problem of who defines the world who defines the words that are being used so i find that it's a cultural problem and this cultural problem is actually a war of words so it's about the definition of which words and who uses which which words so if you don't agree with what they say if you put everything to critic or to criticism that they say is that if you try to question and actually ask the right question or actually do something that can actually matter and trying to understand the problem they will tell you that you are sexist you are misogynist you are and you have all these words that are new all these words that you, some of them you are so confused or some of them that you've never actually heard of and people are being laid out so if you are not on their propaganda or if you are against their propaganda or if you're criticizing their propaganda you are automatically an enemy and they make it and they tie it on something and make it a political issue trying to say that oh it's being liberal we are being liberal and if you look at it it stands against everything that screams liberal because liberal is about individuation it's about freedom of speech freedom of an individual limited intervention of government in personal affairs so it stands against something as rebel because they scream justice but do injustice in the process is that okay let's say you are oppressed so what's the alternative so the alternative is actually to oppress those who are oppressed so do you think that what what stops you from actually doing the same thing that you are actually saying that they do so if you say that they you are oppressed okay no problem so if you are trying to find your way in the world to solve that problem how do you keep yourself in check or how do you keep your ego in check to actually not do revenge or not do something the same as you are preaching not to so how do you conform yourself or how do you comfort yourself to actually not go into that trap so that's actually a very big question to actually ask yourself is that okay if i'm saying this what stops me from actually becoming this and if you say if you observe what happened is that the same thing that they are against same thing that they do is that when you you go after demonizing and actually calling some people names because they don't agree with you so what do you think you're doing if you had a way and as they want to dismantle the existing power systems meaning that you can do the same to those people as they did unto you which is wrong and yes there is such thing as power in the world there is such thing as driven by power but it's not the only thing that drives the world it's not the only thing that motivates human beings yes power comes and power is a motivation to things but it's not always that case there is another alternative it's not always the case 
because if you look at it some systems when they degenerate they become power starving systems and you find that and you can ask yourself is that when this spirit this spirit of purity this spirit of orthodoxy i saw the same and actually same spirit on the same spirit i see it in in history when you look at the nazis they were labeling jews as inferior race and everyone else not not only the jews as inferior race as the nazis were the supreme race and everyone was below them and they were after jews they were hating them they were demonizing them they were calling out names and back then the church itself and people did not speak up to hitler and you saw and history tells it well what happened was tragedy was something really bad is that sometimes when you don't stand up and speak of the truth and actually speak that which you believe is right and is the truth something is gonna happen and something terrible will happen it will not be only you it will affect everyone is that why bother going into this trouble is that fundamentally if you look at it you are screwed in every possible way you look there is that sense there is that thing that in your psyche you know that something is wrong something doesn't something doesn't scream right something is actually wrong and you say and you have two choices you can either choose to do something about it or choose to speak the truth and that which you believe is true and face consequences and that truth which is actually adventurous and which actually is what religion in itself needs to do and needs to help people manifest is that you need to do what's right speak of the truth and let god take care of the consequences that is believing and when you keep quiet you are tricking yourself to try to manipulate the short-term consequences thinking that the future will be better when in the alternate is that the future will actually be not better it will be worse now you will have to take consequences the other part is you face consequences and it is an adventure you come to discover as jung said you come to discover the part of the self you you come to discover the shadow self and if you integrate the shadow self in the conscious part you are you are on a journey to becoming whole you are on a journey to become complete and you might you might say okay i will choose to not know i will choose to ignore it okay fine you can choose to ignore things but that is not excuse and what comes to mind is the story of the talent you see in the bible you have a master gives 
a pack of gold to servants. He has three servants. He say he, he gives the first servant, he gives them um, five packs of gold. And another servant, he gives them two. Another one, he gives them one. And the first servant goes and actually brings other five, multiplied it by two, what he was given. So he has ten. And the second servant goes and actually add extra three. And he has now six. And... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, he has two and actually add two, so he has four now. And you have the third servant, he has one gold and he decided to himself that he's going to take this gold and hide it and, you know, save it and give it back. And the master came back and the first servant came and said, oh, you gave me five. I've brought five more. And the master said, um, you faithful servant, you've been faithful in small and therefore you will give it more and come join the fruits of heaven with me. And the second servant, same goes with them. And the part that's interesting is that the third servant said that, master, I know you, you are a hard man, meaning that you don't sow where you reap and you reap where you didn't sow so and he said that i decided to myself to actually keep this and actually give it to you the same way you gave it to me and the master told him that you lazy servant so he was given a talent and he didn't use it he decided to keep it and play it safe and he said you could have put this talent in give it to bankers or give it to exchangers at that time and actually had by the time I'm back there would be an interest on it and I will collect it back because you didn't use it let this talent you're given be stripped away from you and be given to that who has 10 so meaning that if if you are given something and actually you don't use it you have a gift you have something that something that's unique to you, something that you know you need to do and you don't do it. And there is no excuse saying that you didn't know. You will be, that will be taken away from you and it will be given to that who has a lot. So meaning that the world is not fair. The world is such a dangerous place. Yes, but does that give you an alternative to actually not make the right sacrifice or not see the world in the way it is or to try to see the world in such a narrow way that puts you in a good position and in a best position as possible and shove responsibility out of your shoulder and blame someone else or like blame someone else for you not succeeding or do you actually start and see what is not doing right if you knock on a door and it's not opening there are other doors and there is no predefined destiny if you are willing to make that sacrifice things will go well with you but the problem is that god did actually want can you say that if you did things right things could go better with you not only that that 
if you did things right and there is such thing as sin knocking on your door and it's near that if you don't repent and actually do what is right you are gonna sin is not and there is something interesting about that part and that narrative of the bible that of the story is that you see god warning cain and telling him and after actually telling him what was going to happen to him and after that cursing him and telling him that the ground screams the blood of your brother and what will happen now is that from the ground you've taken away uh, from the ground where you've killed your brother you will try to get something out of the land and it will not come so he was cursed that he was not going to be productive he tried to cultivate and actually farm as he was up as he was doing before that it will not go well with him is that if as this work type people do is that trying to dismantle all existing system of social justice and power privileged system as they say it is that if even if you do what gives you or what fact what scientific evidence do you have that things will go well with you after you destroy those system that you say you are about to destroy and is there actually a scientific evidence that the work movement has actually reduced racism as it's called because what the work movement stands for of actually trying to eradicate racism is actually a good thing but the problem is that there is such use of feelings not logic not the reason just using feelings and moral judgments in a manner and trying to trying to disregard reason and logic and thinking and trying to use feelings to actually eradicate this so and you have all these narratives that try to shove off responsibilities shove off and simplify things to actually blame someone else put the blame elsewhere so that you don't look in yourself and see that there might be something that you're not doing right and if you're willing to do something about it that the world will change the world would be better for you and you might say why go to this trouble and actually trying to figure it out if it is a religion or not or if it's a culture problem or a political problem in the i was reading this story by the grimms brothers it's called rumpel rumpel tiskin i might not have spelled it right but it's rumpel tiskinskin yeah it's it's confusing but that's the story it's by the grimms brothers so you have um this story where you have the, uh the miller's daughter so emila has a daughter and the daughter can turn a straw into gold and he he goes on and tells the king king i have actually a daughter who can actually take this straw of gold and actually transform it and uh make it into gold and the king is surprised so, oh yeah okay and then say um bring that that uh daughter of yours to me and he brings to the king and the king what he does is that the king 
takes this uh, this daughter of the miller into a room full of straw and say, I want you to transform all these straws in this room into gold. And what happened with the middle daughter and the middle daughter and say that if you don't do it actually I will kill you. That's what the king tells the middle daughter, uh, the, the daughter of the of the miller. And what happened is the daughter of the miller is scared and a nymph comes in. A nymph comes in and he says that what will you give me if I transformed all these straws into gold and he says uh, he removed the, the necklace and he gave it to the imp and he goes the king comes again and the king becomes even greedier he tells the daughter of the mirror okay now he takes him in a uh, he takes her in a very big room full of straws and full of these straws so he can turn them as well as she can turn them into gold and the daughter of the mirror is scared again and the, the imp and comes again and say okay what would you give me if i turn this and say okay he gave him the necklace and the imp the imp goes away again and the third time similar thing happened now it's a very very bigger room and then the imp says now i'll do this for you but you will have to give me the kid you will give birth to with the king because now the deal has changed is not that the king has said if you do actually take all this and transform them into gold i will actually marry you and and is uh, the daughter um of the miller because she was scared she made the deal with an imp and then what happens is that the imp transforms everything and then she goes and marries the uh, the, the king and then they have a kid she gives birth and the imp comes to say i'll come to collect the, your first child and the daughter of the mirror is scared to say uh, can i please actually offer you anything all the riches or the money the imp says no i want your kid because that's the deal we made and the imp goes back and he said, I'm going to come back in three days. And okay, the daughter of the mirror is stressed. He's thinking, what, what's going to happen to me? All this, this, day one goes, day two goes, day three. And you have this bet that happened. So they made a bet that if you... If you know and recall my name in three days, I will actually leave the kid to you. So they made a deal that if she can know the name of the imp, the real name of the imp, that the deal will be off and she will, uh, he will actually leave the kid to her. And the deal was on. The three days come by and the king was going to, to the... You know, he was coming from Harding and he was actually going and he heard this imp yeah, this uh, imp uh, in the forest saying that of me the imp have made the deal with the queen and I'm gonna have the kid of, uh, of the queen and cause and my name is Rompel this king and the king goes back and tells that I've had an imp in the forest sing this song and now the king sang the same song and she heard 
the name of the imp and she was happy and the imp came and actually she guessed two she guessed three times so the third time she gave him the real name and the imp ran away and the story of this fairy tale is that if you call evil or if you call if you call evil in the name that is and if you call that which is evil or if you call that which terrifies you in its name that it will go is that if you're really looking in a place and actually are willing to call that which is wrong in its name that which you believe is wrong and actually is in its name it will have no choice and it will go and where do you start you start by actually asking things and actually thinking for yourself that you actually ask the right question and think how you think through these things is that if you hear something okay what do i think about this what is my thoughts through this can this thing be right can it be wrong where does it get wrong where where do i get wrong and if you're really looking really wanting to look in the right place you will find what you're looking for and that is why so in the research uh, when i was doing research for this day, for this um trying to answer this question i found that there's been such a confusion and it made this work movement or this work problem be such a political problem which is a very wrong and very wrong perspective to view it and it has taken such a political sh- um shape that it identify as left wing and as rebel kind of movement which actually betrays being rebel which de- betrays everything about rebellion and i want people to actually recognize that this is actually not a political problem it's a cultural problem it's a moral problem it's something that can be viewed in another perspective that racism do exist and did happen and actually still happens but is does that give you an excuse to destroy the existing systems in the place to actually you know put the system that you think there is no racist and what facts or what data do you base on coming and thinking that this will actually change and what makes you think that racism is actually reducing or it's not increasing because if you see is that something about this movement as a whole that actually i dislike is that someone is not treated as an individual so when you see someone someone is not treated as an individual is treated by the group he identifies with so if you see me you don't see me as someone who is you know you don't define me by my character and who i am but you define me as someone who is black or this or this and if you see someone who is white you don't see them as for their character or whatever race they have you don't see and 
judge them by their character, but you do judge them because of their group they identify, which is a very wrong thing to say to do and actually say because we have characters and we are unique and we are different and there is such thing as character and not everyone is bad and not everyone is also good. That is true, but you need to be able to define someone by his character, by who he is, not as the group they identify with. That's the whole problem with this, is that now you have this council culture that people are not being, the freedom of speech is actually being suppressed because someone will say that you are a so you are sexist, so you are saying something that doesn't comply with what we know. And if you try to create, to put what they say and what they do to criticism, you are actually put to blame and you are demonized. And if you think about it, the system that actually are in place did give you to actually a place and a space to actually reason and bring your theories and actually think through freely and do all this and speak freely. No one was after you for speaking. But now when you try to come after people for speaking something and actually try to think and put to criticism what you believe in, if you really what you believe in is right and you believe is right, and why not engage in an honest conversation with someone? See how they think. Maybe you are wrong. Maybe they are wrong. And find out instead of having this presupposition view of the world that's so narrow that makes you to make a mistake of putting yourself in a space and in a place as the Pharisees did and we know what happened to them and thinking that what gives you the right what makes you so special that you will not fall prey to that which you stand up against and that's the question I have for you is that what makes you think that what you fight against you won't do and what actually did happen to you, you won't do the same to those in return if you are put in the position of power. I encourage you to think critically about the work movement and actually do come to your own conclusion. But I hope this podcast has actually given you some food for thought. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next one.